0: Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word.
1: I'm going to try and speak for about 15 minutes here and not more, because we got all kinds of stuff going on, all that kind of stuff. But what I was praying through what to say this morning, I got the word oxymoron. All right, Some of you don't know what that is, you can get out your phones and check it right now. You can. And so the message this morning is for oxymorons to move us forward. Now, the first thing I want you to recognize is, you know, it's really neat that I put oxy in front of that word. <laughs> People say to me, you know, oh, do you feel bad about this? No, <laughs> I really—I'm serious. It's, it's a bittersweet kind of thing. It's kind of like I had three daughters. One of them was sitting there a few moments ago. The three daughters, and you know, all of them got married within a two-week period, and I now—no, oh two, two-year period. Excuse me. It felt like—wait, <laughs> it felt like two weeks. People said, "Do you ever cry?" I said, "Only when I wrote the checks." You know? But part of you, when, you know, when it's a transition, like a daughter getting married, it's kind of like this morning, part of me is, when, when a daughter gets married, is, is saying, oh, my, my sweetie's, you know, it's changing, life is changing. And the other part's going, yes! You know, so that's where I'm at this morning. <laughs> First oxymoron to move us forward into this future, which I am so, so thrilled about. I really am. When I look, you know, the, Ian's wonderful video that just went aboard there. I mean, I could have never done that. That's, You know, that's it would have been kind of a polka band or something up there, you know. So, so I'm thrilled. I believe prophetically this house, listen to me, church. This house is going to thrive Amen. under this leadership. Amen. Come on. This house is going to thrive. I believe it with all my heart, and so the first oxymoron is from proverbs eleven twenty four it 's this: one gives freely and grows all the richer, the other withholds that which they should give, and then they suffer from want, huh and so we have an opportunity to give this morning. We take this message uh or this proverb and we apply it to money it 's about so much more than money in life, yeah. And so here this morning is an opportunity to give. For for those of you who, for whatever reason, feel uh, some sense of sentiment or loss in the fact that I'm kind of stepping away, I can't imagine why you'd do that. But anyway, I really can't because the future looks so bright. But you have an opportunity to give away those sentiments, give them to the Lord, and trust God for what he is going to do. You can give to Pastor Ian and this eldership, I am so happy. I like have this incredible confidence, but I can't think of any trepidation I have about the leadership of this church. I mean, how many pastors can you know say, "Well, I'm going to give this over," but I, I don't feel that way. I feel absolutely confident in the future. Will there be problems? Of course, there will. It's church. We'll get, yeah, we'll get to it. In, we'll get to that in a second. But but see, you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to give to Pastor Ian and to this eldership, the younger elders as well as the older ones, to the staff, to the people who volunteer here. We have the opportunity to give our love, to give our support, the investment of our lives in God, the, the, the lives that God's given us, we can give away again and watch this house thrive. How's that? That's the first oxymoron. Hallelujah. This church's gonna thrive. All right. The second oxymoron is this. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> That's from what song? Come on, congregation. Hotel California. That was the connecting music. You know? I, look, I am going somewhere, but I ain't going anywhere. How does that sound? Okay. I am no longer going to be here in governance. Thank you Jesus. I'm not <laughs> I am not going to be doing counseling. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm just teasing. I've had great times doing all those things. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Anyway, <laughs> but I'm still going to be around because you know what? This is my family, right? It's, this is not, the the issue here isn't, the issue here isn't where I belong. It's never been where I belong. People say to me, are you going to, because I got a lot of kids in the Nashville area. People say, you're going to move to Nashville. I couldn't afford a pup tent in Nashville, you know. (laughs) All of California has moved to Nashville, you know. Uh, (laughs) But that's not the reason I'm not going to go. It's because my family is here. My friends are here. My loves are here. Are you there? I need that as I go into this latter part of my life. And I am thrilled to watch the church thrive as Trish and I thrive in what God has next for us. How's that? All right. It's interesting. About once a month, we get a call from a hospital or a funeral home or somebody, and they'll say, and when you pick up the call, Bob knows this better than I these days, and somebody will say, uh, on the other end, it's either the, the hospital chaplaincy or a funeral home, somebody will say, Pastor, we need to inform you that one of your one of your congregants is ill. One of your congregants has passed away. And they oh, what's the name? And, and they say the name, and I have no idea because they haven't been here in like six years. <laughs> but the thing is, you see, they checked out, but they never left. Are you there? That's a valuable thing. You can thank the Eagles for that. You know? So I will be around. The other thing is, we have this incredible, incredible resource Pastor Dan and Rhonda Backens are sitting to my right, and they head up. There are apostolic leaders in this network called One Focus, and Ian's involved in this, Lena's involved in this. We have this incredible apostolic resource that stabilizes us, takes us forward, loves us, keeps an eye, keeps an eye on us, and, and these things count. Are you there? And so, so it's not like this is a willy-nilly kind of thing, this has been pretty st- strategically planned. And I mean, I feel like I'm almost a year late huh? because of the pandemic. So I want to thank you all for all the sentiment, but I'm excited. Amen. All right. Third, okay, the first one was from the Proverbs. The second oxymoron was from the Eagles. This is from Heraclitus in the second century BC, I think it was. As God has designed things, the only permanence in life is change. You can't get away from it. Those who love change, watch. There are people here who say to themselves, "I hate change. I get that. And then there's people here who say to themselves, "I love change." Most of the people who say they love change love change that they make. <laughs> are you there <laughs> They don 't like change somebody else makes. <laughs> So uh, so we need to, here's the deal. So we need to embrace the change and thereby ourselves become a part of making the change. All right. In other words, you don't have to submit to the change here. You can become part of the making of the change here. All right. And that's how you get out. That's how we move along in life in a healthy attitude. And that's what we kind of want to do here. Solomon wrote, 3,000 years ago, Solomon wrote these words in Ecclesiastes. He said, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. So, you know, for me, this is an end. I mean, it'd be stupid for Trish and I, isn't it, sweetheart? This is kind of an end of things, okay? But I'm looking upon it as better than the beginning because in the beginning, I didn't know what I was getting into. Huh? Ian, you don't know what you're getting into, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They can't fire me, but they can fire you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. The end of a matter is better than the beginning, Solomon says, right? Ecclesiastes 7. And a patient spirit is better than a spirit of pride. Hear me, church. A patient spirit is better than a a spirit of pride. So Solomon says, don't say, why were the old days better than these? Yeah? This is 3,000 years ago. Same stuff going on. What did Billy Joel say? The the old days weren't all that good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems. Okay. (laughs) You got that from Solomon. All right. And then Solomon says, it's not even wise to ask those kinds of questions. right? He says, wisdom along with an inheritance is a good thing. There's 40 years, let's see, it was April 1st of this past month that I came on as a full-time pastor. Tony came 20 years later, is that right? So 40 years I've been here, and I want you to know, over 40 years, there has been so much wisdom displayed in this congregation and in this church I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the prophetic activity. I'm talking about the the years of counseling, working through tragedies, working through glories, working through wonders. All of the things that have happened in this church for 40 years were filled with the wisdom of God, which is thoroughly directional. Are you there? What an inheritance! How could we squander that, yeah? All right. It is an advantage to those who see the sun to understand that wisdom and inheritance are a good thing. So consider what God has done. Consider what God has done. When times are good, be happy, right? Be happy. So what I'm trying to, to kind of convey to everyone is, yeah, it's the end of a thing, but it's also the beginning of a new thing. It's the end of a good thing. An end of a tough thing, it's the end of a wonderful thing, but it's the beginning of a new thing, a good thing, a wonderful thing, and a tough thing. Huh? Because that's life. All right. All right. Lastly, OK, and then I'll go into the, the next phase of this service. OK. This was said by Jack Robleski. Anybody know that? Yeah. Hey, listen, <laughs> this true story. So my, my, my future who, she was then my future daughter-in-law was dating my son. They lived here in Bethlehem. They're now in Nashville. So my future daughter-in-law came into the church one morning, right? She came to, to come to Sunday service. She walked in and one of the greeters was downstairs, okay? And, and she said, he says, hi, have you been here before? And she said, yeah, I've been here before. I'm, uh, I date Jack Robleski's son. He's my boyfriend or whatever she said. And, and the guy says, Jack Robleski, that sounds familiar. That's a true story. (laughs) She said, "Wow, you really got a gangbuster church there, Grub. You know." (laughs) So, 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 my last oxymoron is my own. The body of Christ is harmony in discord. All right. See, the discord is important, and the harmony is important. There has to be a unity, but it's certainly not a unity that's a uniformity. It's certainly not a unity where we all uh, where we all agree, but it is a unity where we all love, huh? And hopefully, in loving one another, we even get to like one another as well, yeah. And so, so going forward, I mean, this new leadership is not going to be doing everything that I love and agree with. It ain't my job to do to rein that in anymore. Are you there? It's my job to enjoy the ride, to support the leadership, to support, which is to support what God is doing. And when we do that together, when we all have that attitude among us, this church is going to thrive some more. How cool is that? Amen. All right, so here we go. I, I even came in less than 15 minutes. Okay, now I understand. That there are some people here who, this is the baton that I'm going to pass off, and it says, Ian Martin, lead pastor, 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 5, May 1st, 2022. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And the deal is like, I'm supposed to jog around the sanctuary. I'm not going all the way around. And then I'm supposed to hand the baton to Ian, okay? And so, and i I know there are people here who came to see that more than they see Ian come in. Yeah, I'm getting hands raised right now. Okay, so I'm going to do that now. Okay, and I'm going to go up that aisle and around here and down this aisle. You guys don't count. All right, and so I'm going to come downstairs. I got a little couple, few props that I want to use to do this. I got my. It's in my hand. The baton's in my hand now. Most of you know. Oh, I forgot one thing. Most of you know that uh, when, a, a, when a moment is a sacred, this is a sacred moment, okay? But my sentiments don't go in those directions ever. So, so you're going to have to bear with me. Before I do this, I do. I, the only hesitation I have about Pastor Ian is his love of rap music. All right? <laughs> so what I have here is a link. It's a link, and I would buy this for him. It's Weird Al Yankovic's rap album called "Giant Robots Kill." <laughs> so I want you to really reflect on this over the course of the next forty years. All right, okay, gang, here I go. When I get down there, you can cue the music. Okay, but I need to do some stuff. So, you, well, you can cue it net right now. I can see the steps. Right, I made it down the steps. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> you did notice that second lap was a little quicker.
0: <laughs> wow, what a day. And uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. It, it fills my joy, my heart with so much joy to see this room full and see so many faces that I love and cherish and people that have come from a long way away to to spend this moment with us. So I'm going to tear up and I'm going to stop there, but it's incredibly meaningful to be here with you this morning. And it was about four years ago in May that Trish and Grubb visited Selena and, and me. Neil wasn't even born yet in Prague in the Czech Republic. And they asked us to pray and consider moving here. And uh, they tell me that in private, Grub said, well, 50-50, they don't come. And Trish said, no, 70-30, they don't come. (laughs) But our reaction in being asked to consider that was we were just blown away that they thought so highly of us to even ask us. We were so blown away. And at first it seemed kind of out of the blue. It was not what we... Saw coming, but then the more we prayed on it, the more we reflected on it, the more we looked back at the prophetic words that we'd received through our lives, the more we saw God weaving those pieces together, and we knew that He was calling us. And, and we came. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the biggest thing I had to wrestle with in that moment was the calling of becoming a pastor. And I really had to wrestle with it, and it was, which is funny because we were already youth pastors, but there was something, there was like a weightiness to it, there was a permanence to it that uh, really scared me, to be honest. And huh, the fear that I had in that moment was becoming a pastor meant dying to all the things that make me, me. That's what I was feeling, right? And so here it was like, well, Ian, you know, your creative days are behind you. You're going to have to die to all that, right? That's what I was feeling. And so as I was preparing for my martyrdom, a friend of mine— <laughs> thankfully, God puts, people, you know, puts friends in your lives that can actually speak sense into your head. And a friend, of me, a friend of mine heard me say that, and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, if God made you a certain way and gave you— gifts and interests and talents and your whole background, you think he's just going to throw that out the window? No, he's going to use all of that. And I I really needed to hear that. And there's a history to why I had that false picture of what it meant to accept the calling of becoming a pastor. And I remember, a lot of you have heard me say, when I was a teenager, you guys probably remember this, I remember exactly where we were. We were in a Hilton Doubletree having afternoon tea in London, right? And they asked me, so Ian, what do you want to do when you finish university. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know, but the one thing I know is I don't want to be in ministry. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah. And so here I am, you know, 10 years into vocational ministry and six years already as a pastor. And I mean, it's, it's a journey I never would have foreseen, but God's woven all these different threads together. And huh what I realized is I was reflecting on this, so I said, I know one thing, I don't want to be in ministry, but I realized if they would have asked me the question, do you want to work with Grubby? (laughs) I would have jumped at it. I would have jumped at it. Right? And so (laughs) I think the reason that I felt like I didn't want to be in ministry is that I would often growing, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I grew up as a missionary kid. Right? And a lot of times I would look at the people up here. I would look at the leaders. I would look at the preachers and I would say, I could never do that. That's not me because I'm not, (laughs) he talks about my rap music. I would look at rappers and performers and think, man, that's not me. I'm not that like magnetic personality. That's just dominating the stage and all that stuff. That's not me. I'm more of your Bob Dylan versus Bruce Springsteen. You know, I'm more of your thinker and you're more subdued. And I thought, so if that's what I've got to be to be a preacher, to be a pastor, that's not me. I don't want to do that. And it would make me really insecure because I thought, you know, I could never do that. And when I looked at Grubby growing up, though, I saw a kind of leader that actually appealed to me. A kind of leader that I could see my own personality and giftings in. And that, that I mean, this is a gift you wouldn't know that you gave me. Um, it was the ability to be myself in ministry. And, you know, growing up, when Grubby would visit us, Grubby and Trish would visit us every year or, or so. And I would always, I would be like a little bit of the fanboy. I would always want to ride in his car. I'd always want to sit at his table, and I'd always want to pepper him with theological questions and stuff. And <laughs> I was subconsciously modeling myself after you—not, you know, not cognizant of that—but that was happening. And so, you showed me that it was okay to be myself. That it was okay to, as a, pra- you know, as a preacher, as a leader, to, to cultivate the life of the mind as well as the life of the spirit. You showed me it was okay to be down to earth and unpretentious and yet also appreciate God's beauty in culture and art. I mean, I mean, did you notice the range of quotes that we had in the first part there? All right. From, you know, the Eagles to Solomon to, you know, second century BC Greek philosophers to Billy Joel, Right. <laughs> You show me it was okay to be creative and innovative and, let, and yet have a love for tradition. And I do. You show me it was okay to speak foreign languages and yet have a love for Potsy's hot dogs. <laughs> so I'm just so grateful for both of your influence on my life. We honored, we, we so honored and respected you through the years. And it's just such, it's been such a privilege to work alongside you and to carry on in your footsteps. I'm really blown away by, you know, the last song we sang was Great Is Your Faithfulness. And that's, that's just what I've been feeling, this overwhelming sense of God's faithfulness and how he's orchestrated this. Because the other thing that I realized as I was preparing and, and just reflecting on today was when Selena and I were, were praying through that calling to come here, the thing that we realized in that time was, you know, we've swum in, in various different streams of the church. Pentecostal, Anglican, uh, you know, charismatic and everything in between. And we, we swam in very different streams of the church. And yet, as we thought about all those churches, all the, all the streams, when we were considering the call here, we realized this is the church that we most feel able to be our full selves. To most fully express our uh, convictions and our personalities. Like, in other words, we feel like we fit in, <laughs> And we always felt that even as um, visitors when we were coming here. And, you know, someone's thinking, well, Ian, you don't fit in. (laughs) And I'm not saying, you know, there hasn't been any growing pains or anything like that. You know, I've had to learn the intricacies of Pennsylvania Dutch culture and, you know, and all those things. But what I'm talking about is we love the DNA that God has placed in this church we love it, and it feels like us. And we cherish that. And I, if, if you were here a few Sundays ago when I preached, I mentioned this, but for those of you who weren't, there, there's a NC4 archive project going on right now, and people are being interviewed about the history of the church. And as part of that project, Trish and Grubb did an extended interview that I got to listen to, and it, it was sent to me late at night. And as soon as I got it, I opened it up and listened to it, and I, I couldn't stop listening to it. And They were going through year by year of the history of the church from its foundation, and they were recounting all the the moves of God, all the the miracles, all the people whose lives have been transformed, all of the the kingdom impact even globally that is way out of proportion to a church our size. And I'm sitting there listening. It's You know, it's 11 o'clock, it's midnight, it's 1 o'clock, and I, I couldn't stop listening to it. And it was through that that I had this experience, this little glimpse. I felt like I'd got this little glimpse of just how much God loves NC4, how much He loves this church, how much He's had His hand over this church for 40 years. And it was just totally overwhelming. it was, without exaggerating, it was really, I I had a a transcendent experience with the Holy Spirit right there at 1 a.m. in my study. And it made my being just so full of joy. Just so full of joy. And full of faith that the same God who's been faithful through the thick and thin of 40 years is the same God who's going to continue to be faithful as we receive the baton and carry on. (laughs) <laughs> and he's going to continue moving us and shaping us. And we're going to see new moves of God. We're going to see more lives transform. We're going to see that kingdom reciprocity of influence globally, because that's the other thing. If it wasn't for Trish and Grubb's international ministry, my entire life would not have been possible. Battelle uh, growing up in the UK, the, South Africa, like all the stuff that has so shaped me and my character is part of the legacy of this church. And God is going to carry all that on. And so right now, I I see us kind of reaching back to receive the baton and starting the next leg of the race. But as we're reaching back, we're reaching back into the roots of this church. And as we're pulling that baton Uh, baton, baton. I get mixed up. I'm I'm, I'm a dual citizen, guys. All right. But as we receive that baton and pull it into the present, we're pulling all the roots and the foundations of this church into the present moment again. And so all of the fervor, the joy, the youthful passion, the innovation that was present in Trish and Grubb's living room 40 years ago, we're pulling that right back into the present. It's, it's not just a continuum. It's a cycle where God's taking us back to the beginning of those foundations. And so we saw that video. What do you see? What do I see? Well, yes, we see change. We see new things, but it's new things that are really old things. It's new things that are really ancient things. It's new wine, new wineskins, but it's all from the same vine. And so the verse that came to mind as I was meditating on this was Jeremiah 6, 16 that says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Now I want to tell you that it is restful to my soul that this new season, it's not about finding, you know, unproven paths and charting a brand new course. It's about restoring the ancient paths, the ones that are good to walk in, the ones that will give us rest for our souls. And so I believe, and and Grubby's been saying recently as well, this, this same feeling that this is a season of rebuilding, of rebuilding, uh, not only after a pandemic, but, but rebuilding the walls uh, that have been broken down by what we've experienced um, and rebuilding what I would call a genuine apostolic community. And what I mean by that is a community formed by God that likes one another <laughs> and feels a clear sense of, of mission together. Apostle means sent one. So an apostolic community is a sent community. And so you probably saw as you came in that the sign on the living wall there that every time you leave this place, you're going to see everyone in the game. A community that sees itself as sent. A movement of kingdom entrepreneurs, which by which I mean the kind of people who take every resource and ounce of ingenuity that God's given them to go out and build his kingdom where it doesn't yet exist. That's what an entrepreneur does. They, they, they see opportunities out there in the marketplace and they seize them with every little bit that they've got and they throw themselves into it. To be a kingdom entrepreneur is to take every resource, every gift, every talent, every ounce of intelligence that God's given you and seek for the opportunities to build his kingdom where it doesn't yet exist. And that's not in here. It's in our daily lives. It's in our work. It's in our families. It's in our communities. It's in our schools. And so the Christian life is an adventure with Jesus where everyone is in the game. We get to create, we get to explore, we get to build, we get to suffer with him. And that's not just true of leaders of pastors or or people with a title or people that you're going to see on a stage. It's not the ones with the training or the pedigree. If you're in Christ, that's true of you. You have a role in a mission with Jesus and his people. And so I want you to repeat that phrase after me. Everyone Everyone. in In. the The. game. Amen. Amen. So as I've been, I'm going to close here, but as I've been hearing all the stories and the history of this church, and I think about this sacred moment that we're in right now, it it makes me experience what C.S. Lewis called joy. I had to slip one reference in there for all you C.S. Lewis fans. But this is what it makes me feel. And, and the way I would summarize it is this bittersweet sense of longing that you feel in the midst of, of the most beautiful, precious moments in life. And it's precious, but it's bittersweet because you can't keep it. You can't bottle it up and hold on to it. And so after I listened to that interview one in the morning, I said I had this, this moment with the Holy Spirit, and it, it poured out in this little poem that— Towards Grubby, actually, and towards this church. It's not a love poem, Grubby. So here's what it said. (laughs) To the moment. Let me hug you. Let me hug you as if I can keep you. As you are now. This now. Yet my eyes are hazed with the familiar the granular proximity that obscures the luster, a brightness that blinds the more I see it. Let me see it. Let me behold it and hold it. So my prayer in this moment is that the Lord would allow me, would allow Selena uh, to walk in what he sees about this church. To walk in the love that he has for this church. Even in the midst of challenges, to love her like he does, to serve her like he does with his life, and to glorify him by how we lead, by how we shepherd. And so I want to thank you for Welcoming us for receiving us, and it's an honor to serve the Lord with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word
1: Jesus to six one zero eight one six sixty sixty two.